Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to be doing a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Benjamin R. Harrison. I'm the other host, Adam Pranica. Is this a Star Trek podcast anymore, Ben? It seems like it's mostly a children's program <laughs> with dirty jokes. I wonder if they started to get, like, demo information... And they were like, oh, a bunch of nine-year-olds are watching this show. Well, maybe we should try to write more for them. Except when I was nine, I didn't ever want to watch uh, age-appropriate programming. I always (laughs) wanted to watch Batman or Speed or whatever, like when it was coming out. Like, Like I wanted to see movies and TV that were not appropriate. I think Speed might have been the first rated R film I convinced my parents to let me see. Speed was the first rated R film I snuck into. Whoa. Yeah. What a Did great you, uh, first R-rated movie, by the way, also. Like, it's totally harmless. It's so harmless. <laughs> it's it's inexplicably rated R. Yeah. Like, I uh, guess the, the grossest part of that movie is... Uh, is in the tunnel when the uh, when the light knocks that guy's head off. Oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do, Ben? What are you gonna do? Did you ever, as like a college kid or whatever, have the experience of a couple of twelve-year-old rascals coming up to you and uh, asking you to buy R-rated movie tickets for them? Never. That never happened to me. Though I remember no. asking others when I was that age. I have had both the kid that wants me to buy them booze and the kid that wants me to get them the the R-rated movie ticket. And I'm so down to do the R-rated movie ticket. I'm not down to do the booze. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't go to jail for the movie ticket thing. I mean, do you? I don't know. <laughs> but uh I think the one reason that kids don't ask me for for stuff like that is cuz I don't look old enough to provide it. <laughs> I got in I was in college, I think. Maybe just I don't remember exactly what year this came out, but I saw I went to see Kill Bill mm. and uh my friends were already in the theater and so I was like by myself outside the theater uh, buying tickets and and some kids like were like, hey, dude. <laughs> and I bought them the tickets and then they happened to be going uh, through the, the ticket line, you know, getting their tickets ripped uh, at the same time as me. And the usher was like, are you guys here with a with somebody old enough? And they were like, uh, and I was like, yep, that's me. <laughs> wow. I provided two forms of coverage for them. You're a you're a movie theater guardian angel. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, the usher definitely was wise. Uh, you don't look wise. But let it go. Let it let it happen. <laughs> Did you get the impression that Kill Bill would the would be these kids' first R-rated movie? Uh, these were like little Manhattan kids. So uh, oh, oh yeah. Know. I'm sure so, they've seen R-rated real life by the time they're sneaking into R-rated yeah. movies. They uh, they passed a guy pooping in the middle of the street <laughs> on the yeah, way to you, the theater. You know Manhattan, <laughs> clearly. 
nothing but guys pooping in the middle of the street. <laughs> That's what it's famous for. Can you imagine if Kill Bill was your first R-rated movie? Man. I'm really glad that Speed was my first. That's that's the shallow end of the R-rated pool. Yeah, that is uh it's not exactly expert mode. Or even like if Kill Bill was your first Tarantino. Yeah. I'm wow. really glad I started uh I started like linearly through that world. The Tarantino verse. Yeah, I th- I'm going to say Pulp Fiction was my first Tarantino. Yeah. Well, you know, with the uh, obvious exception of things that he had his hands on the script of. Right. For example, Crimson Tide. Exactly. It is amazing to think about Tarantino... Doing punch-ups on a on a Jerry Bruckheimer movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I just... I would love to be a fly on the wall for that meeting. <laughs> Do you think the PA is like, so... Double the coke for for this conference room, or or what? God, yeah, it's this is a con- conference room made out of coke. <laughs> it's like a, it's like it looks like an igloo. You know, like when you go uh, when you go to a tavern and they'll have like the pool tables there, and instead of the little tiny cubes of chalk, they'll have like the big beehive <laughs> of chalk. <laughs> There's like those beehives of coke just all around the room. Yeah. Speaking of substances, Adam, as we as we uh, wound up our previous episode, which is now famous for our excellent impression of Young Picard, uh, you floated. You floated is that the why idea. we've lost half of our viewership? Must be. Uh, <laughs> uh, you floated the idea of us getting shithouse drunk while reviewing an episode of this show and uh and and a fistful of data's may be the one to do it for is are you are you proposing that we do just that ben well i'm wondering if you're prepared to do it if we decide to do it i mean like this is this is such a unique episode in so many ways and one way that it seems very unique to me is when when I sit down to watch an episode of Star Trek, excuse me, of Star Trek: The Next Generation, to review it for this program, I'll usually fill up like a page and a half <laughs> to an entire page of notes. I wrote six things down for this episode. I've literally filled up six lines on a piece of paper. <laughs> that leaves a lot of time for drinking. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm wondering if if we just lean into this one being pretty loose, maybe uh, you know, maybe we'll fail, maybe we'll succeed, but it's probably a worthy experiment, right? I think that's a great idea. I'm gonna go grab a bottle and a couple of cans, bring it into Studio C, and then I'll be ready to get started with season six, episode eight, a fistful of datas. Ben, I uh, I grabbed two cans, two uh, two Rainier Tallboys, uh, a <laughs> bottle of Roca Patron tequila, and a shot glass. Oh, dang. So I'm going to. Uh, what I are you drinking? Yes, I am drinking Applejack and Coke. Um. <laughs> that sounds that sounds delicious. 
fuck you. <laughs> I was really tired and I wanted some caffeine. When I'm done with the caffeine, I'm just going to be drinking straight Applejack, which is a 40, 40% alcohol, full full spirit drink. Do you have the bottle? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well slug some back with me because I'm going to drink some of this tequila and then uh, we'll get into it. All right. We're doing right. slugs? Yeah. Right. Ziggy, saggy, ziggy, saggy, oi, oi, oi. <coughs> mm. Okay. Whew. The uh, I think the episode starts with uh, Picard doing some flute practice, and uh, it's it's one of those like Picard can't get a can't get a moment of downtime type of uh, type of scenes. Yeah, he really needs to put a sock on the door, like. Like even if even, Picard puts a sock on the door, who who do people suspect he is boning down with? Even mid-range hotels have "Do Not Disturb," <laughs> you know, tags that you can put out there. Oh, I was on a I was on this trip, man, and one of the hotels we stayed in did not have the tag. And you know, we travel with film equipment. I'm leaving. I'm occasionally leaving things that have like a walking around value of $50,000 in my room. Yeah. And I do not want the maid service coming in. Like, I'm not saying that the maids are going to steal. I just don't want anybody, not me, going anywhere near that stuff. And uh, man, it burned my toast. Every time somebody, uh, every time I came back and like somebody had been in and done something. My wife and I, uh, many years ago, took a a weekender down to Portland and mm. uh, stayed in a fancy hotel. We wanted to treat ourselves. It was our anniversary. So we go down there. And this was a hotel of the level that uh, had turned down service in the evening. Right. This was not something that I had ever experienced personally before. And so when we came back from whatever dinner or drinks that we went out for, I didn't think to put anything on the door. <laughs> and so when my wife and I uh, did... We're doing we're, husband and wife things? Yeah. Um, there was a moment, there was a, a, a perfect moment, you could call it, mm-hmm. a moment of pure enjoyment. That was the moment that the door opened. <laughs> And my eyes met with a cleaning person, a cleaning person with a knowing look, who, well, then, uh, who then quietly shut the door and, uh, and left me to my embarrassment. I can only imagine. Uh, well, Picard is, uh, is playing a flute that's not going to make a mess on his chin. And, Gross. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the doctor comes in. Uh, Data and Jordy come in, and I guess what what's going on is the entrepreneur has showed up early for an assignment, and so they've got some time to kill before uh, the the ship that they're rendezvousing with comes in, and that's always a recipe for trouble. And um, Jordy and Data are going to do some experiment. It would allow Data to act as an emergency backup in the event of a shipwide systems failure. They want to turn him into a raid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like a, or like a uh, one of those batteries that you keep under your desk and you plug your computer into. Yeah. In case the power goes out. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that would be a workable solution. Like, 
Like, we've seen the computer core. It is really big. Yeah, but the but Soong is working working on a whole different level. Yeah, that's true. And, lo- if- and they're not trying trying to have him do the whole ship, just just certain parts and just yeah. in case, you know. Yeah, this is something that I can get behind. You want a yeah. you want a little bit of a feel safe here. It's possible we might even be able to run some secondary systems through data. It's a it's a nice idea, but the but the captain really doesn't want to get into the details. He's like, yes, I get the idea, Mister Forge. Thank you. Please proceed. I don't care about the details. Get out of here. It's sort of that thing where, like, he's given permission for a thing, but can't stop being asked for permission to do the, to do the thing that he's already given. Already getting a little slurry there, buddy. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> you know what I, I mean, though, right? Like, like he's given the crew permission to go about their business. Why are they asking him for further permission? Like, go ahead. I think this is one of those things that happens in movies, but maybe not in real life. Yeah. I think that sometimes, sometimes the way it happens in real life, if uh, there's some event that my wife thinks we should both attend and I have a reason not to, and I manage to talk her into it, the conversation definitely lasts like 15 minutes longer than the moment at which she decides to be okay with me not going. You know? Yeah. (laughs) But that's more like, we're cool, right? We're good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, I'm um, just so we're good. Like you're not, we're not going to be, we're we're not going to be not good three days from now. And I didn't know, right? You know? No amount of yeah after asking, "Are we good?" ever feels like a satisfying amount, though. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, it's frustrating. So then Worf comes in and he's like, "Hey, uh, we should be doing some security drills, right?" And Picard's like, mm, "No." I'm the <laughs> Picard's like clearly. I saw how you let Ferengi take over the ship last time. Yeah, <laughs> please do some drills. Yeah, he, well, so so Picard is much more the Denzel to to Worf's Hackman in yeah. this in this scene. Feels like the whole crew needs a kick in the ass or a pat on the back, sir. He's like, let's deal with the uh, the cook's heart attack first and the fucking flare up in the kitchen, and then we'll do the drills. And uh, and Worf's like, all right, fine. Well, I'll do some. Uh, I'll I'll like crawl around in the phaser banks and scrub them out. How about that, Mister Worf? Is there some reason why you're trying to give yourself more work? We have some downtime. Chill the fuck out. Yeah, you got all this time. Why don't you take it, dude? <laughs> you don't have to be working all the time. Just chill out, like me. I'm laying back in the cut, playing this flute. This is my only hobby. I live for this. Yeah, he should be. He should be playing like uh, like a Bob Marley song on that flute. Like, Worf's <laughs> like, do you know Melota? <laughs> it's like a, trying to play uh, three little birds here, buddy. Smash cut to Worf walking back into his apartment and uh, plopping himself down on the. On one of the one of the rare normal chairs he has in there, <laughs> and uh, Alexander being really excited to learn that Worf doesn't have work. I can go. Worf's he one was... of those guys who has decorated an apartment because he never wants guests there. Like, there is only one very small normal couch. The rest of them are wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. It sends a message. And that message is, don't sit down. 
<laughs> he has one Barca lounger. He totally has the dad's chair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Alexander's pretty pumped because this means they get to do the holodeck hang that uh, he's been looking forward to. And he plops a cowboy hat down on Worf's head. And uh, that is our cut to commercial. Or Roland package or whatever. This is... uh this is the first of several war fies to commercial that we get this ep. <laughs> that means we drink, Ben. Mm. Yeah. Drink for every war fies. I love it. Brittany's going to be so proud of us. Yeah. <clears throat> ben, I can't remember any point in which Alexander has stated an interest in the Old West. And yet here we are. It's the Back to the Future <laughs> 3 problem. Like, why are we here? <laughs> it's clearly an interest from the writer's room. It is clearly a wouldn't-it-be-fun-if type story. There's yeah. no reason for us to be here, and that's the problem. Like, fuck, at least set it up a little bit. Like, like downrange by a character. In, in, the, uh, in the Voyager series, one of the characters is really into, like... Um, like old timey serialized sci-fi so they have like this this kind of like uh rick laser gun uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of kind of character where it's it's all black and white and they're you know it's it's rick um, laser gun was my porn name by the way <laughs> and uh, you know you know it's it, it's fun it's like a it's like a fun thing it's it's fun sets fun characters a fun original thing and they like a uh, they like build a world and this is clearly like there's a there's some downtime at uh at one of the backlots fake western towns and uh and we can use it if you want to <laughs> you know and the writer's going like oh i got some ideas for that oh i love this this is going to be so great this is going <laughs> to be as good as back to the future 3 my favorite back to the future said no one ever Look at this, Adam. The original title was The Good, The Bad, and The Klingon. Hmm. Boy, wonder why they chose against that winner. <laughs> so the uh, the idea is that um, Alexander and Worf are going to go have some fun times doing some, some holodeck... It's, it's it's a video game. It's like uh, it's like Red Dead Redemption on the holodeck, and Worf is the sheriff, and Alexander is the deputy, and uh, and they're gonna like they're gonna have a little uh, a little adventure, you know, trying to trying to capture the 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 fastest gun in the West or whatever. It um, I mean, <laughs> he God. sounded like Kermit for a second there. Well, I'm, I'm a little drunk. There. <laughs> so far, this is a great point, and I'm really on the edge of my seat to ha- see how you wrap it up. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I mean, this this is not this is not a visual atrocity, you know. Like Worf looks good in a, in a cowboy suit. Alexander it's fun to see doesn't them in look, their cowboy suits. Yeah, like they don't look dumb like they could easily look. You only get that feeling for a moment, though. 
before we devolve. <laughs> my, my, my love is a Jordy plugs a uh, like a lamp cord into the side of Data's head in the engineering section, and uh, that is what what precipitates all of this, Adam. They plug the jumper cables from Data's brains into the computer, and they're they're swapping they're swapping information. They've they've set up the RAID array inside Data's brains, establishing computer link up, and he starts glitching out a little bit. Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. Try gravitational control. Initiating gravity. What's wrong? I, I just feel like there is no time when D- Data and Jordy are doing something that sounds boring. That that doesn't that doesn't mean Data and Jordy are doing something that is going to cause big problems. <laughs> And they like, frequently, whenever they have those problems, they don't tell anyone. They don't study what might have caused the problem. They just sort of disconnect the wires and go about their business doing something else. It's the same inciting incident as the uh, as the EPS conduits blew out in the in Cargo Bay Four from a couple of episodes. You know, right? Uh, the the shizum episode. Well. Uh, yeah, so this is one of those ones where it's like a slow burn. Like they, like they, they have a little glitch, and um, it's not obvious the extent to which it has caused a problem. But, um, but uh, the, um, but the glitch happens, and it happens to coincide with Alexander like resetting the holodeck program because Worf uh, beat it too quickly, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, like literally. Like Worf and Alexander walk into the saloon. They find the antagonist in there with his boots up on a table, slugging <laughs> back whiskey, talking shit to Worf. And Worf is like, fuck you, man. I'm taking you to jail. You are under arrest. And basically, like, swings a chair around in a circle, takes everyone down, and basically ends the mission. Yeah. He's like, this is great. I love this. <laughs> Yeah, credits roll. <laughs> I would do this all the time. It's a little bit akin to his calisthenics, right? It's Western calisthenics is what he's doing. He's like, I yeah, could get behind this. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Like, Worf is definitely in. Uh, he, he was a little uneasy at first because they, as they walked into town, there was a, a sex worker up on the balcony of one of the buildings, and... Uh, Alexander let slip that Lieutenant Barkley had something to do with helping him program this. How wildly inappropriate is that? <laughs> First of all, Barkley should have his holodeck credentials removed entirely after he shouldn't what he's even done. be able to go on the same deck as the holodecks. And he definitely shouldn't be helping Alexander. Yeah. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> We've taken we've taken a lot of shit for jokes that we've made on this show uh, over the years about about the way this show puts its foot in this creepy area. Yeah, from time to time, this might be the creepiest time in in the entire run of the show, and we are late in the series. <laughs> what I wish we got that we didn't was like the cut back to Worf, and he's just shuddering. And what's going on here seems pretty. Pervy, doesn't it? 
Yeah, just like cut to commercial and one like just a little moment in the like midst of the commercial. You know how they do that sometimes. Yeah, uh, Worf, Worf like severing the head of a sleeping Barkley with <laughs> with one of his knives, and then like it's never commented on. Barkley is never back on the show. <laughs> Worf, Worf silently like opens up a torpedo bay. Yeah, places Barkley's body. Yeah, places <laughs> Barkley's body inside. Closes the lid. Sets auto shoot function. Like as as tactical officer, like he could probably program that pretty easily. He could be sort of the, he could be the Dexter of the Enterprise. Oh yeah, like, he is in a perfect position to do all the murdering he wants. Yeah, what's stopping him? Nothing is Honor? stopping him. Honor, I think. I mean, he did murder that one Klingon, right? Is there anything more honorable than murdering Barkley? <laughs> it's practically a mercy killing. <laughs> yeah, Barkley doesn't doesn't want this life that you're taking from him. <laughs> He's practically like placing your hands around his throat. He wants a way out. He just can't do it himself. So they wind up uh what do they do? They arrest the the bad guy, and uh, they are helped w- in this uh, in this adventure by Counselor Troy, who has decided to join the game in some uh, really distractingly good looking leather pants. She's got like mom leather pants. <laughs> you know, they're really high waisted. I'm into that look, man. Yeah, me too. I say, uh, I say that Marina Sirtis basically steals the show in this episode. She is, uh, she's doing a t- whole different kind of acting from everybody else, <laughs> chewing the scenery, basically once again making the case for I should be a much more prominent character. Listen to you defend it. Alexander in this scene is like, I invited Counselor Troy. She loves Western stories. Oh, really? Ben, <laughs> when you have to have dialogue defend your story choices instead of, like, a character's natural inclination, like, you are in the weeds on your script, I think. And that, and this was nearly unforgivable, I thought. Like, what's the reason Troy's there? Of course she likes westerns. Let's tell everyone. Like, it's, <laughs> it's telling instead of showing. It made me so upset. It would have been pretty great if he turned to, if he turned to Warf and said, "I invited Counselor Troy. She likes chocolate and westerns. <laughs> you know, those two things. Those are the only <laughs> things about her. My my child doesn't know anyone, and he knows that. <laughs> How interesting would it have been if it was Beverly instead of Troy? If they have to use one of the female leads, and." Maybe Beverly has a thirst for killing, and that's why she likes westerns. <laughs> I mean, Troy kind of does. She's she definitely fucks around with that rifle. Yeah, but does she ever murder anyone? I think she does. Yeah, um, that's got to be fun, right? I have been walking my wife to the ferry in the morning. She takes the ferry to work a lot. Yeah, and uh, the we orange stop at one. Eight. We stop at a little... No, no, that's the Staten Island Ferry. There's a new uh, blue and white one for Brooklyn. But um, we uh, we stop at this coffee shop that uh, also sells uh, potted plants and flowers. <laughs> and in the window, there's a a uh, 
terracotta flower pot with a plant in it right now that is just like a cylinder with a pair of tits. <laughs> and oh, I, no. <laughs> I was looking at it today, uh, the other day, and I was like, that's pretty much what we've been saying Troy is for <laughs> an entire podcast now. It's what we've been saying she is because that is the way she's been presented. Exactly. I'm not saying I endorse that. I'm just saying uh, this this uh, this terracotta pot reminds me of the of the Troy of reality and not the Troy that I I wish we really got. Yeah, indeed. Hey Ben, I don't want to make your editing decisions for you, but I think I'm going to take another slug here and maybe we go to interstitial. Adam, what do you say we take a slug and uh We'll we'll play some music right after that, and then as we're as we come back, we'll be recovering from the slug of booze. Perfect. I am the cutest of all. You will assist us. I am the cutest of all. You are all. Ugh. <laughs> you know what? I uh, I tried to take that shot Picard style, mm. like an overly filled glass and just a a very big gulp. Whew. Giddy up. You can't drink like Picard. No one can. <laughs> that that was a shot too big. That's a shot that's bigger than I would like to take. At some point in here, the doctor is getting ready to stage a play, and she uh, ropes. She's, she's trying to rope the captain into playing a small part, which is like one of those uh, one of those great throwaway scenes that's just like. The doctor is the only person who can get away with this, but she basically does something that is wildly insulting to the captain. Yeah. <laughs> like, he basically is trying to, like, say, no, 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 I can't do the play. Like, there's no way I can memorize a leading part. Anyway, I'm not much of an actor. And she's like, no, no, you're, you're not the lead, buddy. Yeah, you're the janitor. I was such an insufferable only child, Adam, <laughs> that when I did the play in middle school... I did the play two years in a row, and uh, neither time was I the lead, but I basically, and I, I went to a small enough middle school that people who are willing to be in the play were valuable enough that they got to be in the play, mm-hmm. and um, th- the way that worked out was the drama teacher um, kind of convincing me that my role was more important than it was. <laughs> oh, no. I think back on that and just... I, I hate my guts. The one thing you don't want to do is give a middle schooler confidence <laughs> at any point. She had to cut a scene from my, uh, I guess it was my eighth grade play in, in which I had a lot more lines than my seventh grade play because I, I didn't learn the lines because I, I thought I was such a big dog. Oh, that you would just improvise? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, in in my defense, though, like any amount of reducing that play was probably a good idea because I was I was cast as Agamemnon in regarding Electra. And uh, the way they the way they made me look like a Greek king was put dark makeup on me and and dye my hair darker. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, Ben. <laughs> Hashtag problematic, Adam. Oh. I certainly hope that all visual evidence of this is gone. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Ooh. 
please let there be no yearbook pictures. Of this we pray. <laughs> that could severely compromise your political aspirations. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. In the in the woke future that I run for office in. I mean, Adam, I'm not running for office because I don't think straight white males deserve any more political power than they've already gotten. Not but, only that, but do you think anyone gives a shit about anything anyone does when they <laughs> run for office anymore? <laughs> Forget it. I've, uh, I've played the best parts in the biggest plays. Everybody talks about my skills as a middle school play performer. People rave about my blackface. Rave about it. <laughs> Everybody thought I was very convincing as a Greek. <laughs> I have Greek friends. Some of my best friends are Greek. They say the same thing. Like a picture of him eating a giant euro. I love the Greeks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a taco bowl, like with euro meat inside. <laughs> Uh, people made a lot of fun of 2016 they said 2016 was the worst year 2016 fought back man yeah yeah we're gonna be dealing with 2016 for a long time yeah i mean well for as long as we live which which is sort of a sliding scale i think at this point seattle man not a great yeah. place to live over the last week. No. You're in great circle territory, aren't you? Every time I would pass a chain link fence, that scene from Terminator 2 would <laughs> play in my mind. <laughs> so needless to say, I avoided those fences. Yeah, you don't want to be a crispy critter <laughs> clinging to a fence. Yeah, I avoided uh, walking past playgrounds ringed with chain link fences. I rewatched the most recent Terminator film uh, recently because I needed bad movies to distract me on airplanes. Uh-huh. And um, about 15 minutes in, I was like, oh, fuck, I've watched this before. And then, like, 30 minutes in, I was like, wait, have I? And then, like, for the rest of the movie, I was just, like, bouncing back and forth between those two convictions, which happens a lot with those Marvel superhero movies now where I can't really remember which ones I've seen and which ones I haven't. I was like... Yeah, and people d- are d- like d- uh, smashing into each other, and and you've lost count of how many buildings are blowing up. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm sure that the Golden Gate Bridge sustains some damage each time, but, like, whether it's a Marvel film or a new Super... a, a new uh, Terminator film, but, like, man, I was... Uh, I was lost, and... I feel like it is such a shame that that happened to that franchise because Terminator 2 is one of the great movies. I wonder if it can ever be put back on the rails in the same way that Aliens is making that attempt, you know? Yeah. I mean, Aliens never got so far off that it was... Like, the the most recent two Terminator films are... Hot fucking messes. You think that they're worse than Aliens versus Predator? I I think the, of those as as like sideline, s- semi non canonical movies, though. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, I refuse to believe that they exist. Yeah, I mean, like, and and like, 
I'm I'm all for like a crossover movie. Like I think that Have you seen the TNG Aliens crossover comic that's coming? No. That's on the way. That's fun. I'm it's hard for me to imagine a world where Wayland Utani Corporation and the Federation coexist though. So that should be that should be some interesting canon development. Yeah, I'm pumped for that. Um Anyways, <laughs> we the, should just uh, wrap up the episode in the next couple minutes and then just continue <laughs> to riff on sci-fi movies. <laughs> Have you seen Predators? The uh, the Adrian Brody yes. led uh, yeah. Predator film. Whatever happened to Adrian Brody? I don't know. I saw him in the East Village one time walking around with a couple of buds. Did you follow was- him into a nail salon? Uh, no, uh, this was this was much later in my career of seeing a famous in public, and uh, I didn't do a creepy thing. But um, uh, he was wearing like cargo shorts and like a Fox Racing T-shirt, and he was with a couple of total bros. And I was like, "Oh, what? Adrian Brody's a bro? That seems impossible to me, dude. He's a bro. Yeah, yeah, like." Toby Maguire Pussy Patrol bro or like just sort of broish, just standard issue bro. Like I based on the garb he was wearing and the company he was keeping, I would surmise that Adrian Brody's favorite <laughs> hang is either Buffalo Wild Wings or David Busters. Oh no. Yeah. Do better, Adrian Brody. <laughs> I know. Like, I, how does he explain to his buddies what movies he's in? Because they're not seeing him, you know? No. How do they know him, too? Like, they didn't see the Darjeeling Limited. <laughs> <laughs> what do they have to talk about? They definitely saw Predators. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, it's a Predator-based relationship. <laughs> So the deal is the holodeck is uh, the safeties are off and there is stuff from Data's head leaking into the computer all over the ship and there is stuff from the the Old West leaking into Data. So Data's like walking around doing Data stuff and, and talking about y'all. And, See, he's and, spitting into bushes and stuff. Right, yeah, he definitely like hocks a uh, hocks a loogie into a potted plant in the observation land, which is fun. But um, but but what's not fun is that like Worf is catching catching bullets in the in the holodeck, and they're actually going in. Yeah, it's weird. Like we know Data can hold eighteen thousand thoughts in his head at once. I mean, he said <laughs> so when he kisses Jenna. Right. Like, yet these are the only two thoughts that cross in midair, like the Western <laughs> theme holodeck and uh, and Data's cat food choices. It's weird. You just sit tight. We'll have this all fixed up in time for supper. I mean, they they do have fun with this. It's It takes all of Frakes' strength not to look into camera after that before turning away. I feel like the writers have been given given a task... And they 
with this episode are presently where we are with our episode, which is like, fuck it. <laughs> Let's just have fun with this one. I guess. Yeah, I mean, what Ron Moore said about the last episode, which is like, which is like, it's turning it into a challenge that he has to take, like almost as if, as if there's no choice in the matter. Like, this is the story we're doing. We've got to make the best of the circumstance. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like a dutiful effort <laughs> here versus, I don't know, like, what other way is this show made? This episode, I feel like, winds up being super influential on Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Yeah. Both of which really lean on holodeck hijinks as a premise. And, like, aside from, I guess, the Moriarty episode, which was a much more fun way of the holodeck being dangerous than this, this is, uh, I can't think of other episodes in the series that, that, like, have that as the as the idea, but I feel like that's like a, those are like the Loaxana episodes of the future, right? Like it's like once a season, we've got to have the holodeck turn into a super dangerous place. I feel like the holodeck's usage on this show, uh, is a, is a, is a total counterpoint to Star Trek as a place. Like it's a, it's a nesting doll inside Star Trek as a place that I wish didn't (laughs) exist. Because you can do holodeck on any show, a form of holodeck. You right. could make a show that was holodeck. Mm-hmm. I, like, I think Black That's, Mirror, in many ways, is sort of holodeck as show. Sort of what Quantum Leap is. Yeah, but keep holodeck out of my fucking Star Trek, you know? <laughs> I want my Applejack separate from my Dr. Pepper, you know what I'm saying? I have some Dr. Pepper here. I could do that. I could see how that tastes. Yeah, let's do it. I don't, we let's, don't care if we live or die anymore. Let's take a slug, and we'll come back, and we'll 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 get to the uh, we'll get to the end of this storyline, such as it is. Okay. All right, slugging in five, four. Oh, a countdown. Okay. Th- three, yeah. two. Get low <laughs> on this bottle, Adam. Ugh. <clears throat> okay. I'm sure that my uh, wife's friends will appreciate the backwash and the uh, Applejack cocktails I mix for them next time we do that. Well, you just run that through a bar strainer. Mm. Get all those floaters out. <laughs> all the teeth that have fallen <laughs> off. Applejack straight. I'm going to try it. Applejack is good straight. I've got Applejack. I should go get it in solidarity. It's uh, I don't want to mix my Applejack and my tequila and my Rainier, though. No. That that's, a, a, that's a recipe for angry wife later. That's a, that's a recipe for uh, like a, a shootout at the OK Corral inside your stomach. This is one of those days where my wife's going to come home from work and ask me what I did today. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm going to be so embarrassed to tell her about... <laughs> It's a really bad episode of Star Trek. I'm fucking hammered. <laughs> it's it's going to be embarrassing. There's like, no way I'm cooking dinner at this point. We yeah, like we really got back to our embarrassed roots with this one. <laughs> <laughs> this episode ends with a big a big gunfight 
and at this point, data has replaced all of the uh, all of the bad characters in this in this holodeck world, like the image of data. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess the 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 rules that Troy sets up are we've got to what we've got to do is like finish finish the game like if we if we finish the the game and uh and and the story is over then the program will end and uh and at that point like our lives will no longer be in danger but the end of this game is like a big like classic old west gunfight in the center of town with the tumbleweed blowing across in between the two gunmen and uh and so they like they work out like a a thing where uh marty mcfly style wharf has a way of defeating bullets that uh nobody in this time period has ever thought of but like this is this could have been such a scary and interesting fight right because what they're saying is that these bad guys have the capabilities and speed of data and this is like what we talked about in the last episode, right? Like data should be able to kick a ton of ass in a melee or in any kind of combat because he can move so much faster and he's so much more accurate. This and is the Neo versus Agent Smith problem. It really is. And uh they really like don't do a lot with that as an idea. This episode asks you to do so much. It asks you to care about Alexander's life <laughs> because one of the Datas has kidnapped him and it's a bad sign I think when you're rooting for him to die as a character <laughs> uh, it asks you to believe that Worf can credibly do science <laughs> which he does by like cracking open a, com- a communicator with a little pocket knife I mean, yeah, he turns he turns a communicator into a personal shield, which is like if that is possible. Yeah, why don't they use that, that all the time? Have, have been done a lot earlier. That's amazing. <laughs> Worf made a huge discovery that just lives on the ho- on the holodeck now. Forever. Worf is a genius. <laughs> it's like having Data as the bartender. Like maybe yeah. maybe we've slept on Worf for too long. Yeah, maybe Worf, maybe Worf and Jordy should switch jobs and see how that goes for a while. As these datas multiply, I couldn't help but think that he's just doing different Nick Cage impressions with all of them. I'm a policeman. See my badge? <laughs> <laughs> like this is not a knock on Brent Spiner. I mean, I think this is a this is a specific acting challenge to act eight different ways in one episode, yeah. but. But many of them are very Nick Cagey. I'm a vampire. Kill me. Adam, you are sticking your dick so far into my drunk Shimoda right now. <laughs> All the way up it. <laughs> so she's like, got a great ass. <laughs> God, is there is there any impression that you have that isn't two grade levels above one of mine? God, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I think that 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 was just because I got a lot louder than you, Adam. Yeah, the key to a good Pacino is getting ex- extremely loud. Yeah. 
<laughs> the day is saved. I guess they like finish the gunfight. Um, yeah, Data's bullets bounce off of Worf's air sets. Personal <laughs> shielding. What do you say we cut the chit chat a hole? Yeah, there's a there's a fun little. Uh, comedic beat with Brent Spiner as Old West Saloon Whore. <laughs> You're as handy with a shooting iron as you are with a woman's heart. And Compe- complete with a uh, golden breast piece. Yeah, yeah, breast loaf. Yeah. <laughs> it was really like back to the future level breast loaf. And like Troy said before, the program ends when it reaches its natural conclusion, sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure story. This is a concept that has never been articulated before, right? The idea that a program will end on its own. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not really how the Moriarty thing was resolved. That's what I'm saying. And also, if Barkley wrote this episode, do you think he had a different conclusion in mind? between Worf and and the main holodeck female lead? I think so. <laughs> it's all wrapped up. We got a scene of, like, Worf tucking You're just going to leave that one alone, aren't you, Ben? I wasn't paying attention, Adam. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, let's take another slug. What do you say? Mm. I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Are you going out of the bottle? Yeah. All right, I just did the bottle on that one. I had been pouring them into a glass. but Well, um, aren't you fancy? Well, I thought I could regulate my dosage a little better, but now I just don't care. <laughs> Last shot is almost a redemption for the episode. Oh, really? Not quite. The The, the thing that really could have redeemed it, in my opinion is it's so it's it is enterprise flying off into the sunset over some planet but uh but what really could have what really could have made this episode like dear to my heart was if if there had been a music cue right right then and it had been i shot the sheriff bob marley what is the what is the galactic equivalent of a uh, of a tumbleweed because that's what I wanted to see roll across the screen as the Enterprise saunters off into the sunset. Yeah, I guess like a like a like a meteoroid or something. Yeah, tumbling across the screen. Nagilum. <laughs> Nagilum is far more than a tumbleweed, Adam. Nagilum's back. <laughs> that Nagilum cameo, though. Oh man. The Gilem killed it in that. They bring a little scout ship meets him at the end. Did you notice it was called the Biko? Yeah, Steve Biko. I wonder if uh, if the Biko and the Vico got confused a lot. Because remember <laughs> in, in Slickback 3, the kid's yeah. ship was named the Vico. Like, I, yeah. bet, uh, I bet the Biko's glad the Vico's out of the picture. Yeah, when you're transmitting on, on subspace... It, you got to use the like the the NATO alphabet, right? Wait, what'd you say, right? Biko right. or Bravo or Victor? <laughs> um, did you like this episode, Adam? Ben, I enjoyed recording the pod about it, <laughs> but this episode 
much. This is le- something our viewers, Adam, have been saying from the beginning: is like, don't veto the bad ones. Just do them drunk. They said. <laughs> and so we have. Here we are. Much a like rascals, history. I think. I think this episode diminishes us as a as people who enjoy Star Trek, and mm. and. You know, like, this is a Patrick Stewart joint. Right. This is not, um, I don't put this on him. Like, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's anything directorially that was garbage or sloppy about this. That's the thing, right? Like, unlike Rascals, the directing is tight. Yeah. I just, I just honestly wish that these two episodes had never been made. (laughs) And I think had they not been the entire series is lifted as a result when people talk about the low points of this series these are the two episodes that they bring up yeah quite often i I think that like maybe the thing that brings this episode in my mind the thing that that brings this episode down maybe more than anything else adam is that they never like the ship never goes into orbit around a planet in a in a way where somebody could ask data to scan for life forms and he could go life forms you precious little life forms you know i took off my headphones so just uh yell really loud when you're done with that <laughs> God damn you, Ben. <laughs> I how about you, Ben? Did you like this episode? I did. <laughs> I just have no grasp of what you don't like anymore if you like these last two episodes. I, I, I like uh I like the way Worf plays it. I think, yeah. I th- I think Michael Dorn really rises to the challenge of this episode. He does great in this. And you know what sucks is like like Mar- Marina Sirtis and Michael Dorn never get fun stuff to do. Yeah, and they got a real fun challenge. Like it's not a good script, but it is a fun challenge as an actor. And I think that it is maybe illuminating of the kind of decisions that the people running this show were making. Uh, that they would throw one like this at Dorn and Sirtis, not recognizing the kind of talent they were bringing to the table. But they fucking, like, their two roles, they fucking knock out of the park. I think too often, and this is not, I'm not blaming, I'm not Bontal blaming here, Ben, when I say this, (laughs) but... (laughs) (laughs) But these actors are way too good to be spending so much time across from a child actor every time. Like, how often is Michael Dorn getting his own episode and it's with Alexander? How often is Deanna Troy getting her own episode but with, like, a child actor who's seeing an imaginary friend? Like, can we we just have them have adult problems and with, with adult counterpoints? Like, well, there there are adult problems that have to do with parenting that aren't this dumb. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's it's like, God, I'm excited for Dorn to inhabit this character the way he has. It's not his fault this episode, 
but I would like I would like him to get into a rated R situation. The scene at the he's, end he's, where he he's is Mr. Making, Doubtfire right now. The the scene at the end where he's making finger guns into the mirror though is like the most endearing shit that Worf has ever done. I I love that. I love seeing a character like I am alone. I am being a hundred percent myself right now. Yeah. Like, like I am walking around with my underpants on because I am alone in the apartment. I am being my true, honest, unmasked self. And that's a that may be the hardest character to play as an actor because <laughs> like when we are interacting with other people, we're always putting on a mask, you know? Like the way I interact with you is totally different from the way I interact with my wife or my colleagues, you know? Like, I, I say different things in different ways. And the, the like, Ben in his underpants in, in his apartment by himself may very well be putting on a cowboy hat and making finger guns at him. I'm not saying for sure, because that's my private life, and I'm not going to reveal that here on the podcast. I'm just saying it could, it could happen. I think you're right, Ben. The most challenging character to play very well may be ourselves. <laughs> do, you, do you want to see if we have any P1s? Oh, yeah. I think they're going to get what they pay for here. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here, as it would happen. Oh yeah, should we uh, should we take a couple polls? I feel mm. like it's been a while. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like our P ones paid for this. Yeah, yeah. This this bottle of booze brought to you by the uh, the priority one message purchasers this week. <laughs> purchasers, purchasers. <laughs> Uh, Here we go. This tequila is starting to taste great. That's the Roca Patron. That's the good stuff. It is. Why didn't Northwest Tequila Fest come back for a a sponsorship? Because it isn't next year yet. Like, we did that last year. And uh, when it comes back, I'm sure we'll do it again. I would fucking love to do Northwest Tequila Fest again. Dude, Um, you should come out for Northwest Tequila Fest. Because that guy Devlin that runs it is fucking great. He loves our show, and it was a great hang. I would love to drink some agave-based spirits. When uh, when they when they book the dates, I'll let you know when that is. Maybe we can get you out here. Yeah, baby. All right. Our first <laughs> message. <laughs> We've now replayed the music bed for P1s like four times, and we haven't even done the first one. <laughs> Our first message is from Dwin. It's for a Garrido burrito. What? Surprise! Thanks for hooking me on this podcast and being the coolest slash drunkest promoted brother there is. My scarf stockpile wasn't enough for a leaning wall or a new Previa to replace your Ruthmobile. So this message will have to do. It's the gift of a warrior. You are the natural Jaeger of little brothers. Happy very early birthday. Ah, ah. You know, I I haven't really thought about Jaeger being a younger brother. I always imagined the Jaeger being the older brother. Mm. But that's nice. 
That's a nice compliment. I love it. Um, I also love anybody who goes by the by any moniker that incorporates burrito because that's yeah. my favorite food. I was very concerned about you being overseas for so long, knowing how difficult uh, tacos can occasionally be to get overseas, yeah. and and understanding completely how many we eat per week. Right. I mean, I uh, I have a. Uh like, what I'm like, saying is to call someone a burrito is a great term of endearment. Yes, it's a, uh, it's it's almost as al- almost the same sentiment as when I call my wife my everything bagel. Oh, oh yeah, that's nice. To me, there is no bagel besides everything, Ben. Oh really? You can I get rid with- of the other bagels. Everything's the only one I need. I go with the onion bagel sometimes. But everything has onion. It does. And but, more. Uh, but sometimes I like the that like densely oniony-ness of the onion bagel. The simplicity of just the straight onion. I could here's, see that. Here's, here's what I'm going to say, Adam. Give me your top three bagels, Ben. The best bagel I have ever had was an onion bagel with scallion cream cheese. That's nice. See, you, you, when, you, when you go with a variation on the cream cheese, you can really, you can really counterpoint... The flavor of the bagel in it a fun way. It was a stupendous, a stupendous bagel. <laughs> the, the the second best bagel is, and and the most consistently great bagel is the everything bagel. Right. Like cosine for sure. And uh, I'm going to say everything that pop- seasoning on a shitty bagel helps. I think that's yeah. part of it. Yeah, it brings it up a notch. Let me and tell then, you something, Ben. Have you ever used everything bagel seasoning on food? For instance. Brussels sprouts? No. That me sounds and my, great. Me and my friends make everything bagel seasoned Brussels sprouts, and they are the bomb. There's a uh, there's a fancy bar here in New York called Please Don't Tell, and they have a hot dog place in front called Criff Dogs. Uh-huh. And the uh, the Criff Dog one of the one of the famous Criff Dog hot dogs has a uh, has like a cream cheese mixed with everything bagel seasoning topping oh it's like it's like it's like a, a standard new york hot dog with cream cheese blended with everything bagel topping oh which is really good mix it with everything i think it works yeah uh uh third best bagel is obviously poppy seed bagel yeah i don't know i don't know man i i've Here- never uh I think part of it is you're in the bagel basket of the world, and it's hard for me to get a great bagel in Seattle. And so my want, my my want, list might be skewed. I want you to visit Brooklyn with me, man, and and we'll go get like I'm gonna feed you a pumpernickel bagel that's gonna like change your world. Can't wait. It's gonna be a pump. You're, you're gonna be like, don't order me a pumpernickel bagel. That's exactly oh, what just, I would say. They're just giving me a little packet of Philadelphia cream cheese that should cost five cents as a, as the spread, and I have to do that with a plastic knife? Fuck you, Ben. And then you're going to eat it, and you're going to be like, all right. I see your point. I can't wait to be proven wrong. Do we have another priority one, Adam? <laughs> sure do. <laughs> 
Ben, this message is from a junior engineer who is most definitely not writing about bagels. It is for O Captain, my API captain. The message goes like this. You had me at initiating saucy separate... <laughs> God damn it, I'm too drunk for this. <clears throat> okay, take two. The message goes like this. You had me at initiating saucy separation. Or some other horrible pun. You're the Kevin to my Rashawn. The Coogee sweater to my Wesley. Whoa. The cheery, brainwashed Riker to my Randy as fuck Rolaren. What? No one else's knuck is half as righteous as yours. And there's no one else with whom I'd rather make dick jokes. Happy birthday, Steve. I love you. Parmach Kai. Damn. Just when you think all of the reference comparisons had been done, a junior engineer drops in and and gives us some science. Yeah. That uh that really blow blew a lot of uh a lot of situations right out of the water. Saucy separation. I find uh I find when the temperature is, is too high on the stove you'll get saucy separation. <laughs> Ben, got to turn that yeah. down. Yeah, but uh, but maybe turn it up in the bedroom. You know what I'm the saying? Sa- the the saucy is always connecting with the star drive in the bedroom <laughs> when the temperature goes up. Indeed. <laughs> oh man, that is, that might be the sexiest P1 we've ever had. Yeah. Wow. Good job, junior engineer. Congratulations, Steve. Happy birthday. Yeah. Sounds like you got a good one in your junior engineer. Dang. Very that's knowing. Like a, that's like a <laughs> that's like an Ashley Judd level junior engineer. W slash R slash T hotness of P one. There's a Star Trek knowledge here that I think if either of us started to get from our wives would be like what happened? Like, <laughs> what, <laughs> like we're so used to over the years. Uh, both of our wives just not getting, not understanding, not watching. Like if they started to drop references at this, at this rate, I think we'd feel like something was up. Yeah, 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 yeah. This what did be, I do? Yeah, I mean, this is like um, the same thing. Like if if either of us showed up at home suddenly with a huge bouquet of flowers. Yeah. It'd be, like our wives would have the same like what what are you trying to what are you trying to compensate for right, right. now we're not saying that about a junior engineer I want to make that clear <laughs> we're talking about ourselves right now yeah 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 <laughs> uh, and uh, and and basically how much we how much how much we think Steve has hit the jackpot yeah good one Steve well uh, if you would like to announce just how good you have it, or uh, or tell the world just how good your significant other has it with you, going over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron is a great way to do it, where personal messages are $100, and the occasional professional business advertisement style message is $200. Uh, they're a great way to both make the announcement of your choice and to keep up the ongoing production and imbibement of our tele- <laughs> of our podcast program. Thanks guys. 
Heaven help us if this is ever a television program. Everyone's getting a CISO show, Ben. Maybe it's us. <laughs> Maybe it's us someday. CISO programs are falling off the back of trucks. <laughs> Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda. Well, aside my, <laughs> aside from myself, mm-hmm. Adam. Yeah. Um. I wa- I wanted to give a special citation in scene chewing to uh, to one Mister Spiner, comma Brent. <laughs> His face. I just I I had like and and I like I I acknowledged how great Michael Dorn and and uh, and Marina Sirtis are in this episode already. I think that they like took a a an acting plate of shit and turned it into a meal. Uh, like Spiner is given a much easier job here, but. Man, he shows his virtuosity when he is playing the henchman of the old west bad guy. Like all like he gets like half a second takes when the camera cuts around to all the guys with guns in the big showdown in the end mm-hmm. and he just does so fucking much with them. Like he he makes each one of those characters a different guy. It's great. It's so good. It's so Shimoda. <sighs> I think I would appreciate him more if he weren't clumping, you know? Like, <laughs> like if it if, wasn't the fatties fart too? Oh, yes, my dear man. My beans. <gasps> well, if it wasn't six of them, I could appreciate them individually in a way that they're deserving, you know? But instead, it's a trick. It's It's like, it's split screening, interactions between them. It's a couple here and there's with card shuffling. Like, we know Brent Spiner's a great actor, and I want to appreciate him, but I also want to appreciate him without the tricks. And it's hard to appreciate how good of an actor he is when they're doing this stuff, when they're clumping him up. Well, so, I, 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 I a little bit resent you shitting on my drunk Shimoda, Adam. Oh, I'm sorry. But. I didn't mean to shit on your Shimoda. <laughs> I didn't mean to Shimoda shit, Ben. But uh, but That's, what's your Shimoda? Uh, I am also giving my Shimoda to Data. I'm a lieutenant in the police department. I'm in the middle of a homicide investigation. Try to get my prescription, please. Well, I guess I'm giving it to the version that Brent Spiner plays of Nick Cage, who is inside the jail cell shuffling cards. Have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and being until you pissed? <laughs> Very specifically, there is a moment where his uh, sleeves are rolled up and he's doing the card shuffling trick, and he has got prodigious arm hair. Like, <laughs> we have seen Data's bare arms before, and they do not yeah. look like this. It looks like he has coated his forearms in candle wax and then, like, dumped them in a barrel of, of like, <laughs> in a dumpster out and back of a supercuts. Like... <laughs> Like he is fully enrobed in in forearm hair in a way that was like a choice, right? He's got Robin Williams level forearm hair. You know, like in Bloodsport, how they they tape up their fists and then like dip the tape in glass to weaponize the fists. Like that's what he did with his forearms. He just rolled it in a dustpan full of hair clippings. Yeah. That's what he's got. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see the ECU on his face as he's rolling his arm through that. Yeah, because God, you know that's gross, right? That's gross for any actor. 
<laughs> and then you got to go through that. Like the, the application's one thing, but the removal is quite another. So oh yeah, that can't be enjoyable. So no. uh, I guess uh, I guess I'm giving it to Spiner for the forearm hair, but I guess the show for the choice, and also I don't know. Let's let's make it easy for listener Colin, who who does our I'm Shimoda, sorry, Colin. our our Shimoda lineup at the end of every season. Yeah, Brent Spiner, he, he, right? Yeah, I think it's Brent Spiner for both of us. Yeah, Brent could easily say no to this. I feel like it is such a minor <laughs> thing that he chose to do. Like you don't understand, man. Like this the sort of method I'm into is arm hair method. <laughs> I'm just not going to be able to get into this character without it. I'm sure you understand. What do we have coming up in the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season six, episode nine, quality of life, data risks, Picard and Geordi's lives in order to protect a young living machine. Do you remember this episode, Adam? This is the exocomp episode, yeah? Yeah, that's that exocomp shit. It's basically... uh... A, a poppet with a with a turkey baster on the front of it. <laughs> a popple. Yeah, I remember this episode. If 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 you had had a veto, Adam, would you have deployed it upon now, this episode? I feel like I would be in a refractory period after shooting two <laughs> vetoes in a row. Like I would have just been too tired. <laughs> too tired for a third, Ben. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing that uh, that really. I mean, I'm not trying to say anything about my inadequacy or whatever, but in movies, when when they roll over for seconds and thirds, I'm always like, who does that? These are people who clearly don't enjoy sleep as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> well. well I wouldn't I wouldn't veto this either because I like the Exocomp episode. Yeah. They got fun in uniforms, fun little gadgets. It's all Exocomps one. all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, if anyone out there has a problem <laughs> with how we've done this episode, there's one way to tell us. By going on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen and, sell, and saying, you guys are garbage. You did an episode <laughs> drunk. You assholes. I'm on there as at Cut for Time. Ben is there as at Benjamin R. A-H-R. Your sober fingers, sure to not mistype those. The other way to tell us is by going to drunkshimoda at gmail.com. The one way not to tell us what assholes we are is iTunes. If you thought this was great, if you... If you have the kind of taste that says two idiots drinking way too much and recording a podcast is just what I want to listen to, um, go on iTunes and leave us a nice five-star review. Yeah. Helps us uh, raise the profile of the program. It's true. There are people, even right now, Ben, that don't know about us. So if you feel like this might have been an emblematic episode (laughs) to share with others... Why don't you uh, give the gift of Greatest Gen, maybe recommend it on your Overcast podcast application. Oh, yeah. Do maybe, the recommend on the Overcast. That's a that's a big help. Maybe spread it around on the Star Trek Reddit. Maybe, mm. maybe tweet about it to a stranger. Yeah. Any number of ways will help spread the word. 
It's the gift that keeps on taking, Adam. Go to the Facebook and Reddit pages of Greatest Gen to uh, to gab with uh, with other viewers. Um, a really really terrific communities, uh, both of those. Lots of fun. Our thanks to Dark Materia and Adam Ragusia, both of whom will not return our calls or emails after this. <laughs> and with that, we will be back at you. <laughs> Next week. Gross! With another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. An episode of The Greatest Generation that has little gadgets that come out of it, depending on what uh, what tools we need for a given situation. I've got to pee so bad, Ben. Are we done here? (laughs) Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.